You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day, pod lovers, podcasters, podlings, and welcome to Behind the Podcast, the podcast that opens the studio doors and takes a peek behind the microphone to tell you, the listener, the producer, the creator, the aficionado, what's happening in the podverse. I'm Jules, and with me, as always, is Stocks. Hello. In this week's episode, TikTok's podcast reveals RSS Feed Me, How Do People Listen?, and the rise of the child podcast superstars. Welcome to Behind the Podcast. Uh, Stocks here. Um, Due to a public holiday, Jules and I recorded early this week, and wouldn't you know it, biggest story of the year thus far in podcasting has broken in between the time we recorded and the time we normally go live. So, breaking news. I'm just going to give a quick update on what's happened, and then we'll return to the normal episode we recorded a couple days ago. So Spotify announced today that it plans to cut 6% of its workforce, which is roughly 6,000 jobs. This adds to the glut of layoffs in the technology sector recently as companies prepare for a possible recession. It was announced today by founder Daniel Ek in a rather long letter to investors, uh, which was much longer than the internal memo he sent around announcing the layoffs. Spotify, which has about 9,800 full-time employees as of September 30 last year, said it expects to incur about 35 to 45 million euros in severance-related charges. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal for Spotify and this is a big deal for a lot of people's lives. So according to Eck, the company had to conduct layoffs because Spotify's current trajectory was unsustainable over the long run. He said, to offer some perspective on why we are making this decision, in 2022, the growth of Spotify's operating expenses outpaced our revenue growth by 2x. So that's two times. As you're well aware, over the last few months, we've made a considerable effort to rein in costs. And I think by that, he's referring to the international travel freeze for all members of Spotify and the freeze on all budgets globally. But Eck continues to say, it was simply not enough. Now, softening advertising revenue is also a factor here. As discussed on previous episodes as well, Spotify's turning its audience, which is incredibly big and significant, into ad revenue is a big challenge for them right now. I mean, the subscription's always been there, but the subscription doesn't apply to the podcast world, and they spend a lot of money in the podcast space. Spotify employees who are impacted by this will be invited to one-on-one conversations over the next few hours uh, at the time of recording and they will receive severance pay that will vary depending on local notice period requirements and employee tenure. On average, employees will receive five months of severance. So I guess that's a silver lining. As expected, shares in the company rose 3.5% in pre-market trading after this announcement but the share price has since fallen back to below 100 US dollars. I mean, this is the latest in a long line of tech companies announcing layoffs recently. Alphabet cut 12,000 jobs on Friday, with Microsoft laying off 10,000 earlier in the week. They joined Amazon and Meta in making significant staff cuts in recent times. Apple's the outlier here. I mean, they are the richest company in the world and hardware is a different business, it would seem, to these tech companies. So, look, there is a big reckoning going on here. Uh, There's going to be more to come, I dare say, on this and there's going to be more to come within the tech industry, particularly with some of the changes to laws and rules and regulations coming up for web advertising. Just wanted to get this in because it is the biggest story. It's everywhere 
on every news source. As a podcast about podcasts, we figured we should uh, jump on this. Anyway, look, uh, enough about that. Back to normal programming and to the episode we recorded earlier in the week. Lots of love. G'day, Stocks. How you doing, mate? I'm well. Coming to you from a different location today. Yeah, so apologies if things sound different or there's echoes or whatever the little features might be that come in to haunt us from a remote location. Yeah, we're just in a very nice uh, office space, but it's not a podcast studio. Yeah, Stocks. TikTok. We talked about them getting into the podcast space last year when they made that announcement. So it seems like they're finally making a couple of little moves, minor though they may be for the time being. Yeah, it's all sort of being drip fed. Still waiting for the official announcement from TikTok. Um, And obviously, we have flagged before there's a few NDAs involved around how much we can talk about here. But Business Insider basically spotted a test from TikTok for a podcast feature that lets users leave the app and keep the audio from TikTok running. Not exactly breaking news if you listen to this podcast, but... It's news. These sorts of product features are pretty important. And if you're going into that podcasting space, I think like you'll know if anyone uses the free version of YouTube, which is a lot of people, um, the second you close the app or you sort of open something else, the audio will stop. So they're making these updates. So presumably you can just have the thing running in your pocket and it'll still play. I think it's the main kind of thing there. But interesting to note that they are starting to test some features in the live market. And a lot of these things for eagle-eyed people of interest will be coming and surfacing on, you know, very various sites and everything over the coming months. I'm sure there's more to come. Out of interest, are you a YouTube premium person? I was. I was, but I recently cut it off because it was 20 bucks a month. I didn't feel like I was really getting that much value out of it. That said, though, I'm really starting to notice the ads a lot more now in the past couple of weeks. So I'm thinking I might need to just, you know, cut back some streaming costs somewhere else. And I don't know if YouTube is the place I'm willing to do that just yet. Yeah, it's that's the cost of sort of the high definition Netflix. That's right. I think I get more value out of. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'll, I'll keep Netflix and YouTube. I think maybe one of the other sort of lower hanging fruit ones are a rival for dismissal. But that said, I love them all. So it's going to be like choosing one of your children. And just quickly, the benefits of YouTube premium are no ads and being able to play when you shut the app. That's exactly it. Yeah. The no ads is just one of the key benefits in and of itself. But yeah, obviously being able to close up shop and just have things still play in your pocket is great. Now, Ashley Carmen at Bloomberg, who I religiously follow, she wrote a beautiful piece about, oh, an interesting piece about consolidated feeds. So I thought it might be a good time to jump into, I guess, a what they are and why. Yeah, this is great because this is one of these things that, you know, people just take for granted in the podcast world, but might not have actually done too much of a deep dive into. So I'm glad we've got the, the feed king here. <laughs> so consolidated feeds, well, what is an RSS feed? So an RSS feed is what you subscribe to. So you might subscribe or follow depending on what platform you are. And that means that basically any new content that comes out on that feed is served to you. So there's a lot of value in that. And you'll hear even very successful podcasts say, hey, look, really important. If you could, if you listen to this podcast, could you like or subscribe to it? It makes a lot of difference. Yeah. And it really does. It's the key thing. It's the key value in building IP in your RSS feed. So someone like a Mamma Mia uses has maybe 20 podcasts live at one time, let's say, just as an example. And some of those are branded brand pieces, yep. which run for, say, eight episodes on perimenopause. Mm-hmm. And then they basically uh, run that series, have the audience, and then they just, the feed sits dormant. 
four months from now they do a, a another podcast that's on something that's related to the subject as another brand piece or it's just another podcast they've come up with and instead of starting from zero and trying to build that feed up from zero they basically put the new podcast onto the existing feed that already has all the subscribers on it yeah an example would be like rebranding an instagram page you've built up a business instagram page that has hundred thousand followers and it's about um sports fails and then you go oh great i'm gonna actually sell that on to a um sports betting company uh-huh. and there's some good crossover there mm-hmm. but if you took maybe that sports fails page and tried to sell it on to i don't know a sleep uh ecosa or koala, a little bit koala perturbed. yeah it's probably you're probably going to get a lot of people going what the hell is this how did i subscribe to this what's happened to you so it does need to relate but it's a great way to build IP within a feed and it's a great way to guarantee that look Mamma Mia can look there and say this feed's got 10,000 subscribers we know that 10,000 people will look at the podcast we've done with you and then it's something that I've noticed that people will also do if you're in that kind of network space like your DMs or your ringers or Mamma Mia or whatever is that they might launch another show on an existing feed but push them across to the new show but it's a way to kind of get that in front of you know as you said kind of like-minded people or, or maybe it might be a bit of a kind of different idea but you know something that people might have an interest in regardless so they'll put an initial trailer or something up on that feed pointing you to the dedicated feed for you know new show yeah a good example of that is the ringer actually started as a single podcast feed basically on the back of when bill simmons moved from grantland to the ringer started the ringer Uh, They built the entire podcast network off his Twitter feed and his following and they set up a newsletter and then they had a Ringer podcast and the Ringer podcast was the incredibly successful Bill Simmons podcast Mm -hmm. and then what they did was they spun off two podcasts a week on the side of it, one talking I think about TV and one just talking about pop culture. Yeah. And then they'd start to throw in like a Bachelor recap show and then that would hit a certain size and they'd spin that off. But The Ring is very good at doing this. They do things like um, The Ring of Dish. So that's a feed that's centered on celebrity culture. And then they put limited series on it. So basically, there's you follow The Ring of Dish, you're probably getting four podcasts a week. Yep. And if those one, any one of those grows big enough, they'll actually spin it off. So that's the whole strategy is to give you a consolidated feed with different things. So they're kind of giving you a channel yeah. within that RSS feed. We did something similar when we launched the Inside the Tribe podcast and this is one of the reasons when when we funded it, we looked at the business case and we said, okay, Camille Bianchi, who we worked with on Inside the Tribe, was also had done the nurse and when she approached us and said hey do you want to fund this should we collaborate and when we looked at it we said if you'll include the nurse feed which had over 1.5 million people listen to it then that makes it for us yeah that was one of the key factors for us because we just knew that we were going to have a startup audience of say 20,000 people are going to listen to the trailer and then from there, it's up to us to make the content have a chance. Yeah. So you've got to make good content, but you just want it to have a chance to be put in front of people. They did this with uh, Who the Hell is Hamish? Mm-hmm. was launched on the back of the Teacher's Pet Feed. Mm-hmm. And uh, News Limited is very good at putting these things together. Now they've created their true crime channel. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it really is another one of those things where you know the difficulties in, in getting something discovered, obviously, just from scratch are, are many. But you know, having this kind of a leg up, and as you said, like that kind of business case of investment, Investing into something you know that maybe takes a bit more budget like a true crime podcast it certainly validates a lot of those decisions big companies like sony music are starting to pick up on this as well senior vice president emily rasik said what everyone's picking up on is why continue to have a standalone feed and start from zero you can launch an ex- to an existing audience and have value sitting on that older feed so they've consolidated their feeds into five buckets 
basically of five content buckets. So, I mean, everyone seems to be doing this year and it's a big part of their strategy. So even when they're looking at shows they're going to better pitch to them and that they're going to green light, they go, well, which feed can this sit in? Um, They say, look, we've invested a lot of time and resources into building these feeds and we want to keep that. We prioritize a story that can fit on a feed versus starting something new. Now, that's the upside. The downside is there's been some public podcast scuffles have come down to feed ownership because the feed feels innately attached to one program, its hosts and its creators. And when you share it around, A, Splitting up the ad revenue is kind of interesting on this yeah. because it's all happening on one feed. Depending on po- what podcast platform you are, it kind of just says, look, this is campaigns just run impressions over these dates. Some podcast platforms aren't sophisticated enough to say, hey, that ran on this episode. Yeah. Um, so there's issues there. So it's very hard to attribute any, any advertiser revenue. Yeah, and you may just have to look at the downloads and say, hey, look, we got more, we get more. But yeah. it's a complication, yeah. I guess. Are you lifting your weight? Are you not? If someone does something a bit red hot and turns some people off one of the podcasts, does that affect everyone else? Yeah. So the rising tide, the falling tide. But then there's also been things like there's a couple of Spotify things that we did talk about last year where people basically having their feed taken off and more their show taken off them. Yeah. Look, there's, there's less risk for the show to launch, but also less glory if it becomes a full-blown hit. Mm-hmm. And also, if you lose the feed, you lose the whole audience. Yeah, you've got to start right back from scratch again. Yeah, so building that up again is very, very difficult for the reasons we've mentioned. Yeah. I mean, was the hosts of The Nod in 2020 um, asked Spotify to hand over their feed at a time when the multiple hosts were expressing similar wishes for their shows. And... They didn't get it and it was a massive problem. And you build up this IP in your following to start from scratch is at this point in podcasting, very difficult. I'd like to see how The Ringer would go if they started today as opposed to when they started. I think it's a different world. Absolutely. I mean, having that sort of, you know, the massive profile that Bill Simmons did have and and the expectation of everyone when Grantland finished up that something new would start is obviously something that's going to help you along the way. But yeah, I mean, certainly if you don't have the profile and if you don't have the feed, it can be a little bit more tough, I suppose. So anyway, look, uh, that's what a consolidated feed is. Keep a look out for it. If you're getting different content on stuff you're subscribed to and new things start popping up, there's some thought that's gone into it usually. Okay, a little bit of light news. Fossil hunters are the mammoth bones at the bottom of the East River in New York City. So this is by Matt Steeb from Curbed. Apparently, a guest and a conversation on the Joe Rogan experience has inspired people to dive into New York's East River in search of mammoth bones. Wow. So is this when um, podcasts start to impact real life? Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, judging by a whole lot of popular culture shows and movies and whatever that I've seen, I wouldn't imagine I'd be too keen to get into the East River. So it's a real testament to the power of that podcast that it's given people the desire to do just that. Basically, a fossil hunter went on the Joe Rogan experience and had a chat about a 50-ton cache of woolly mammoth remains that the American Museum of Natural History allegedly dumped into the East River, mainly in the 1940s. And um, there's been a bone rush. A bone rush. Hilarious. I mean, look, this is just showing you the influence of some of these podcasts. Totally. I think, you know, it was the the dream of every true crime podcast listener to open up one of their own, to start one of their own. And now people are listening to Joe Rogan want to become sort of archaeologists. Love it. Now, this one's a bit scary for fossils like you and I. <laughs> Speaking of fossils... Who have been I, dug up in the East River? Oh, boy. I get lemonade for every thousand hits. The rise 
of the Child Podcast Superstar. Now, this is an article that just was recently appeared in The Guardian. It's by Alexi Duggins. Uh, it covers a few very, very young podcasters, and it's quite interesting. Um, look, the first one is uh, Jack Andrews, who's nine from Herefordshire in the UK, and he has a podcast with one of the greatest names I think we've ever heard. Yep, yep, that's right. Jack to the future. I mean, this is one of these ones where you hear and you're just so jealous of it instantly, and the fact that it's come from a nine-year-old, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to process this information. <laughs> So it's an award-winning show about the future. In it, Jack covers topics from deep space communication to renewable energy, and it was the winner of the BBC Sounds Rising Talent Award. Yeah, so awesome that BBC Sounds are sort of running competitions like this just to get kids interested in it. I mean, it's a it's a really fun pastime. Obviously, you and I have been doing it for a few years, though we came to the form a little bit later perhaps than Jack. Um, but incredible just to think like, you know, nine years old, I'm trying to cast my mind back to being nine and what we were doing. It certainly wasn't sort of things like this. I think it probably would have been more eating worms kind of stuff. Yeah, look, I've got a couple of mates who've got sons around that age and I'm, I'm going to send this to them because they've got sons who really are into the galaxy telescopes science get around like neil degrasse tyson yeah. i think it's easy to forget you can get dinosaur obsessed when you're five years yeah, old true and that. Know yeah. every single thing it's very interesting i mean in my mind a lot of the issues with podcast audiences of this age is it has to be curated by your parents because so many people i know won't be giving their kids a device that they could play a podcast on until they're 13 mm-hmm. or in high school or just hitting a certain age. So I guess the barriers for these type of podcasts is it's coming via the parents in most cases. Interesting product idea, Stocks. I might have to talk to you about this afterwards. The, you'll see the kind of amount of podcasting that's just entered into the popular culture as well. Like mm-hmm. we, uh, I was watching the new Ghostbusters movie at some point. You know, I think there was a little else on. So... One of the characters in that one of the kids was called Podcast. I mean, he was like one really? of these little children who just had his own podcast on the supernatural and had been releasing this thing for four seasons and, you know, had a, had a dedicated audience of four people or something like that. But, yeah, it's certainly entering into the mainstream and, and certainly something that would capture kids' imagination due to the ease of, of creating one. Yeah, and I guess a gateway to this might be YouTube because parents seem to not have as much of an issue with their kids watching Ryan's Room or unboxing and kids' content. Even Mr. Beast, when kids are sort of six, seven, eight, nine years old, what they don't do is they'll, they'll give them an iPad, but they won't give them a phone. Mm. So I guess it's also looking at how we approach podcasting via phones. And if it's coming via a podcast, maybe they do have carte blanche to actually get into this content. Yeah. Uh, and, and another one is um, Our Minds Are Little, Not Our Thoughts. This is Siona Vikram. She's 11. She's from Bangalore, India. And her podcast, Little Mind Chats, is a current affairs show for children. It features themed sessions on topics such as education and health. Also has its own spin-off environmental activist group, Little Wise Club, featuring 400 children collecting plastic that's converted into agricultural piping. This awesome. is real lookout Greta stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably no doubt inspired by Greta, but this is, this is unreal. I mean, it's just so cool to see these sorts of things and what they're doing with their audience and, and how they're trying to affect change in the world. It's, it's great. Yeah, and look, for me, I mean, I know we played around with a sort of pop culturally podcast with my niece a couple years ago Mm pre-pandemic and it was looking at stranger things and new marvel movies and things and all talking about that yeah what i'm loving about what we're seeing with these podcasts is that they're by kids 
for kids as opposed to things like a Squiz Kids. Yeah. Um, lovely. Fantastic concept, but that's a, an adult decoding things to kids. I'm loving this idea of kids being content creators. Not all of these are ones that I love though. <laughs> <laughs> got to turn the heel, got to live up to my personal brand. Kids Law is a legal show that interviews prominent figures in the judicial system about how children are affected by the law. I mean... It's amazing. Like this is you know, the daughter of, of two lawyers, so it stands to reason that she would have these kind of interests. And and I think part of the uh, the genesis of this show was once she reached a certain age, her parents then informed her that she was now you know culpable for her actions. Yes, so, yes. legally. So this encouraged her to then dive into what this meant for kids and and how they need to be aware of these sorts of things. Yes, and look, her name is, the host is Alma Constant Dennis Smith. You can definitely see her in a big judge's wig at oh, some that, stage. That's a double hyphen. It. So, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, her pathway is there. Her mum's a lawyer. Her dad's a barrister. She's grown up in this world, um, a world of privilege. I'm probably not. I've, I've never experienced. No, she, maybe that's just being harsh. No, but good on her. This is a fantastic podcast. Um, she does have a co-host. It's the lawyer Lucinda Ackland, who works with her mother. And I think that's important when you're talking about the law. Yeah, definitely. And, and it, it seems like it's quite a fun format where she goes, well, wait a sec, I'm... I can be prosecuted. Tell me more. Yeah, totally. So, this is a great concept. I'm just being a little bit of a tall poppy. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, fun. having something like this from it's when you were a 10 year old showing this interest in the law and getting around it, I mean, this has got to be great stuff for the future. Also, you know, when she's eventually trying to drum up business, I know who I'll be calling. The brilliant thing about this, all jokes aside, is that she really had trouble with a nervous kid and she had troubles talking to people and yeah. making eye contact. And now she's doing these this podcast and she's talking in front of groups of people i mean what an amazing life skill if you've got some kids and they're looking for something to do over the holidays the holidays just finished but maybe for the next one give them a little microphone see what they can put together the future is now and this is just what we talk about with the expansion of podcasting with the definition of what a podcast is it's just becoming broader and broader and these kids are the future Awesome. Go get it, kids. And there's one thing that really galled me, though. It was Siona Vikram, 11, has said, yeah, I'll do this for a couple more years till I get bored of it. And I'm sort of starting to get bored of the format already. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you keep the Little Wires Club going because that sounds like that's doing great things. Absolutely. All right. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you for listening to Behind the Podcast. Take care. Bye. Bye.